Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. and running on a Wednesday evening. That gentleman right there played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Apparently there's some news about the Buccaneers. We'll have to get to that in just a moment. Busy show ahead as we'll have plenty more on the final four. But wouldn't you know it, the NFL just never stops, Sean. Never stops. And Bruce Arians has retired. The head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has retired And as this news came out a little bit earlier this evening, uh, first reported by Peter King, now it's official, it's out there. The uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers have acknowledged it. And it will be Todd Bowles who steps in as the head coach. Let's check my phone here. It's March 30th. What? Why now? Why now? As Bruce Arians calls it a career, it makes sense, but the timing seems a little odd. Well, I spoke with Bruce a little bit earlier, and my first concern was that there was some kind of health issue because he had left the uh, NFL meetings down in Palm Beach, Florida earlier, you know, to go back home for, it was said, personal reasons. But, you know, he said everything's fine. He said the succession plan is something that they had talked about with upper management for a while, and he just thought the time was right. He was uh, concerned prior to Brady coming back that he didn't want to leave Coach Bowles who's a very good friend of his, mm-hmm. with a team that didn't have an opportunity to be successful. So uh, once Brady came back, he just thought the time was right, and uh, Champ was going to seamlessly move forward. You know, Coach Bowles, this is his second go-around as a head coach, so it's not like yep. he's handing the reins to someone who has not been a head coach in this league, and uh, everybody's going to just keep moving. You know, uh, Brian Leftwich will get more authority. You know, now that Coach Aarons isn't there, he'll still be controlling the offense. Uh, Coach uh, Tom Brady signed off on it. Yep. So, uh, business as usual. So, he did release, Bruce Arians did release a statement. I'll just read a portion of it. Uh, It says, I spent most of my last 50 years of my life on the sidelines as a football coach in one form or another. Today, I have made the decision to move from the sidelines into another role with the Buccaneers front office, assisting Jason Light and his staff. He goes on. So why now? The simple answer is that I have accomplished more than I ever dreamed I could during this incredible coaching journey, winning Super Bowl, uh, winning Super Bowl LV uh, there 55 at our home stadium with my mom and family attendance was really the last item. I wanted to check off my career bucket list for me. This is more than just trying to add more wins to my coaching career. He also went on to say, as you alluded to, um, that he feels great, never felt better, uh, so it is not a health concern there. Uh, So he is uh, 
he is moving on. And, and like you said, Tom Brady also uh, acknowledging on social media today that, you know, thanking Bruce Arians uh, for, for, you know, all that he had done with him and, uh, and that this was a situation uh, where ultimately he knew this was coming. You know, let me say this about Coach Arians because I don't think he gets enough credit, and I want to give him his flowers while he's still living. You know, in a league that consistently has been criticized, justifiably so, for its lack of minority hiring prices or practices, what Coach Arians has done it should be commended. He has more minority coaches on his staff, meaning men of color and females, women, than anybody else in the entire football league. And to walk away and hand this job to a minority in Todd Bowles at a time when the team is really good, I think says a lot about Coach Aaron's character and who he is as a person because he's a person that walks the walk. You know, a lot of guys talk about diversity and embracing it and how the league kind of just goes about their business. They address it, but they never actually act on the issue. He's somebody that's acted on it. And uh, I think this was all planned. I think he wanted to make sure that when he handed this team over to Todd, that Coach Bowles had a roster that was capable of going out and being successful. And, you know, it's kind of the perfect transition because, you know, Coach Bowles gets the team when they still have Tom Brady at quarterback. Yep. He gets the team when – the majority of elite players that were there for the Super Bowl, enough of them are there for it to be successful, but they're not so overburdened with these big contracts with guys past their prime that it's going to be a detriment. So Coach Bowles can actually start to mold this team into his own likeness. He gets an opportunity to be at the front of the table for the draft, you know, so he can kind of select guys that are going to take this organization, hopefully, into the next five to seven years. So... I want to tip my hat to Coach Arians on a great career. He's a great man, someone that I know personally. Um, and, and he's a guy that actually acts on the things that he says. And I think he should be commended, not just on the nightcap, but nationally for what he's done for diversity empowerment within that organization. There'll be a press conference on Thursday for both Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles. And Todd Bowles, uh, if you're wondering, well, is this just a situation where he's a, a seat filler? No. He is getting a five-year deal uh, to be the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, to your point, uh, this was something that was uh, that has been cooking up, and uh, and he will be the head coach moving forward. And, and shout-out to the Glazier family, too, just before we move yeah. on. Yeah. Because they deserve a lot of credit, too. This is the third minority head coach under the Glazier family's tenure that has been in Tampa. It started with Coach Dungy, and then it was Lovey Smith. And now it's Todd Bowles. So, oh, actually, Raheem Morris. Raheem so it's, their, it's their fourth. So, uh, I just think the Glazier family, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization, should get a lot of credit. I know the Steelers do. They deserve it. The name, the, the rule is named after Mr. Rooney. But, but the Bucs, I, I think, are a beacon of what it should look like. You know, promoting, hiring from within when that is justified. And, you know, giving men of color an opportunity to go out and be head coaches in that league. So, you know, kudos to the Buccaneers organization, the Glazier family, and to Bruce Arians. So, with Todd Bowles being the head coach, and you would imagine maybe a little bit more on the plate of Byron Leftwich, does it make sense now why Byron Leftwich turned down the Jaguars job? Or you think it's two separate Well, no, the, again, and I, I think I said this yeah, when did. that fell through, that, that whole Jaguar situation was about Trent Baalke. Right. You know, Byron Leftwich had identified someone that I know personally as well to be the general manager 
and uh, Trent Baalke has the ear of Mr. Khan, the owner of the Jaguars. And, you know, he was able to circumvent, you know, losing his job. And uh, Byron just wasn't comfortable, you know, going there with the GM that he didn't know personally, that he wasn't sure that their visions matched. And uh, I think I've said this multiple times on the show, and I give Mark Davis and the Raiders a lot of credit. When you hire a head coach and he isn't connected to the GM, a lot of times that's a recipe for failure. Yeah. Because people identify and evaluate so differently. You know, people's vision of what it takes to be successful and, and what are the steps to get there can a lot of times, you know, be completely different. Not saying one way is right, one way is wrong, but, you know, when it's a unified front and, and everybody's aligned, then I think you have a much greater chance of success. Uh, Jay Glazer tweeted this out about an hour ago. Bruce Arians told me once he knew Brady was coming back, he started thinking he could step away and leave Todd Bowles in a great position. Said there was a rule they needed clarified, which they got this week at owners' meeting, which led to the timing. So there you go, which uh, which was some of the, the reasons there. All right. And, and Bruce won't be doing much. He, but they got to pay him, so, you know, he's he, earned it right. He, he won him a championship, yeah. so we got to justify, Absolutely. you know, this direct deposit. You know, I mean, you know I mean, those coaches are just hanging? Yeah, he won't be there at 6 a.m. and he won't be there at 6 p.m., <laughs> trust me. <laughs> you know what? At 69 years old, he's earned it. good for him. Yeah, he's earned good it. Good for him. By the way, the Heat have just finished off the Boston Celtics, so nice road win for the Heat as they stay in first place in the Eastern Conference, 106-98, to the final score there, as uh, they not only – uh, cover uh, what was a uh, five-point spread, but win that game outright. So a good win there for the Miami Heat. All right, final thoughts uh, just for this segment. Obviously, we'll we'll hit on it uh, throughout the show. Just moving forward, you know, you look at DraftKings, Sean, and they've got Tampa Bay at seven to one to win the Super Bowl. In your eyes, does this change anything? for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' chances to win the Super Bowl? Not at all. You know, uh, they didn't bring in an outside entity to become head coach. And, you know, Coach Bowles, in a lot of ways, is, is very similar to Coach Arians. You know, Byron Leftwich actually called the plays. So it's not like Sean Payton walking away from New Orleans. And he was the creator and play caller there. And you have to, you know, listen to a new voice. So, you know, Coach uh, Brady is going to hear the same voice that he's heard, you know, on game day, which is Byron Leftwich. And, you know, the Bucks' issues are personnel-based. They have some holes on the roster that they need to fill. They have some stabilization, I think, at different positions that they need to create. But, you know, now Todd Bowles will be in control of that, starting with the draft, which is in, what, three and a half, four weeks? Yeah, about a month. Um, Rick Stroud uh, just uh, tweeting out a couple things. Rick Stroud has uh, covered the covered you, didn't mm -hmm. he? Yeah, yeah, he's covered the Bucks for a long, long time. Uh, he said, Todd Bowles learned of Bruce Arians' decision, and the Bucks plan to hire him on Monday. Yeah. So this hasn't been around yeah, that this long. This has been talked about since the end of the season. Uh, again, Coach Arians. But Bowles didn't know until right. this but week. But Coach Arians did. His initial plan was to win the Super Bowl and, and, and walk away. But what he didn't want to do was leave Ty Bowles in a situation where they'd had so much success. Mm -hmm. And now you're dealing with Blaine Gabbert as your best option at quarterback. You know, friends don't do friends like that because uh, <laughs> if, if Ty goes so out if, if with Brady... Blaine Gabbert and goes 4-12, and 12, or 4-13 and 13 next year, you know, then... Then he's, you get fired. Right. So if Brady doesn't retire... I think Bruce is sorry, still the head coach. If Brady retires... And doesn't come, back, come back. I think Coach Aarons is still the head coach. Interesting. Well, makes some sense. And now Todd Bowles is the man. Another opportunity. And uh, I think he's a great coach. And I, I certainly think the odds... I hope this is like Belichick. Remember, Belichick failed his first time. His second go-around... 
from worked the Patriots out, in a dynasty. Worked out Let's quite all right. Bowles. So Todd Bowles, the new head man in Tampa Bay, no change in the odds market, at least at DraftKings, still seven to one to win it all. We're off and running. That's Sean. I'm Tim. It's the nightcap here on PC. a fresh start and we mean a real fresh start with lasting change take the Zen 10 challenge and switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine available in a variety of tastes and strengths Zen nicotine pouches deliver smoke-free and spit-free nicotine satisfaction try Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days or your money back your fresh start is here take the Zen 10 challenge today at zen.com slash 10 that's zyn.com slash 10 Zen nicotine pouches are for adults 21 and over who currently use tobacco or nicotine. Warning, this product does contain nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. It's a nightcap here on VEASAN. The Suns and Warriors just about to get underway. Klay uh, Thompson and Draymond Green on the floor together for this one. And Andre Iguodala playing, too, meaning that's the first time those three have been on the same floor together since 2019. Chris Paul is back. He's been back here for a little bit. And uh, the Suns coming into this game as I X'd out of the odds. As a significant favorite, uh, the closing line here at Circa, Sean, Phoenix minus five against the Golden State Warriors uh, in this one. Puckstradamus was at it today. I saw some tweets yeah, come across a, my feed. We took an underdog today, Sabres. Uh, they played admirably, but they came up short, 3-2. And uh, we have the Canucks. Uh, their game just started. And uh, we have the Golden Knights later. I would say this about uh, Phoenix and Golden State. I would have played Golden State if I was going to bet it. Just because if you're Golden State, you have to get some good tape out there, right? I mean, they've been really struggling. They haven't had their pieces. You still don't have Steph. But at some point, as the playoffs get closer, right, you want to go in with some positive momentum. So I think this game is much more important to them, you know, because they're in this little slump where they haven't really been playing good basketball. So I'm sure Steve Kerr wants to see his team, as you mentioned, Iguodala's back, Clay's back, uh, Draymond's back. You want to see them go out and play some good basketball. I have no idea, like, where in the world is Waldo? Where in the world is Wiseman? Like, has, he He's had, still out. I know. Like, how do these young guys miss whole seasons at, like, 20, 21 years old? So maybe him and Zion are playing one-on-one, having a dunk contest in uh, <laughs> at Portland. Um, yeah, I, I did not play this game. Um, I, you know, I, I've talked highly, obviously, of this Phoenix team, which isn't really going on a limb. They're the best team in the NBA, record-wise, at right. least. Um, but I, I've just, I've really liked what I've seen this year from them. I, they, they just have this, this extra gear. And when Chris Paul went out, they didn't really lose, you know, fall behind at all. They actually extended their lead a little bit in the Western Conference. This team just kind of has that, you know, I don't give a bleep mentality. They want to prove everyone wrong. Devin Booker's got a little bit of that in him, too. So we'll see come postseason. Obviously, they're the reigning, you know, Western Conference champs. They feel like they caught a lot of flack for, you know, being up 2-0 and then losing the next four and people thinking it was a, 
a lackluster finals. Look, I'll be honest. I thought it was great. I wouldn't be surprised. I know you had a future on the Bucks. So you yeah. thought it was tremendous. I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple, whatever. I know the NBA playoffs take ten months to finish, <laughs> but I wouldn't. I would not be surprised, Sean, if we had a rematch. Now I know it's not the the betting favorite for that to happen, but I, I would not be surprised at all if it's Phoenix and Milwaukee again this year. When Circa opens up their exactas for the NBA championships, once we get to the end of the regular season, I'm going to definitely, you know, take a future on Phoenix, Milwaukee, both ways. Yeah. Well, Bucks beating Suns, Suns beating Bucks. I'm, I'm going to definitely do that. Um, I mentioned this last night. I mean, they're going to lose a couple games. The Phoenix Suns are down the stretch. I think they're riding an eight-game winning streak right now. But they're they're going to be in some pretty a pretty exclusive fraternity when you look at the record that they're going to end this Absolutely. season with. I mean, I don't anticipate them winning their final seven games and being 68 and 14. If they did that, they would be in some really, really exclusive clubs. But you got up to 66. 65, 66. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a. What's the Bulls' best record? 72? Bulls were 72 and 10 and 96. Mm-hmm. And then people often forget this. They were 69 and 13 and 97. Uh, and then uh, there were other. You they know, fell off, man. They look. Lost three extra games. Bunch of bums. Yeah. yeah. And I think Aiton's in a contract <laughs> year, right? Doesn't, isn't Aiton up for the max next year? I think so. So, I mean, the motivation is right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's a good basketball team. I'm glad for that city. I had the pleasure of playing there. Yeah. It's a great city, man. It really is. I don't know how much time you spent in Phoenix. I've it's spent really, a little really time in city. Scottsdale, not much in Phoenix. I mean, it's one, Uppity of the, one in the same. Uppity Scottsdale. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I'm man of the people. Oh, yeah, I was, oh, out, I was oh, out in our team. Oh. Oh, oh, where were you? Where did you skate off to last night? You know, after the show, yeah, you know, my privacy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I was drinking uh Costco red wine last night, watching uh winning time. So that, that was what I did. Ah, exceptional. I had, to, huh? I had to catch up on my on, on winning time. All right, uh, we're gonna talk some uh college hoops with Stanford Steve, Steve Coglin from uh, ESPN coming up bottom of the hour. You know, he, you and him, uh, similar. You well, both, both, you both played. You're both bald. Mm, bald. You both played I mean, like lack of hair. Yeah, you're both bald. You both played high level Division One football, mm-hmm. and for some reason, you're both Duke fans. Well, he's a smart guy. <laughs> I mean, he is. He's a smart guy. And I think he almost went to UNC, but he ultimately uh, picked uh, Stanford. Obviously, hence, I think hence the I, nickname. If Duke wins at all, I, I think I'm going to order. Oh, I thought you were going to say I a think number I'm gonna get one a tattoo. Duke jersey and put Murray on the back. Well, that's Kyrie one, right? I'm not a ha- Why do you think I'm a hater of Duke? I'm not say a you were a hater. Did you pick Duke to win the championship? I didn't. And I, I, you know what? I've got to live the rest of my life with that. And You picked Texas Tech? Who, God, they were right so there. It's so disgusting because every bracket I've done in life has revolved around Duke winning a national championship. And I just, I let the Virginia Tech situation, like, really get to me. It got to so, me. That's for sure. I was so sure. disappointed in, in my squad. You were disappointed. Yeah. So, but again, life's rules. Stick to your guns. I've told you that since we started the show. Right? Started with Western Kentucky. And uh, yeah. yeah. When you feel a certain way about something, stick to it. Um, well, let's look at a couple of the uh, the player props as we as we get to it. Um, let's start. Let's go to the Duke UNC game. It's the highest total of the mm-hmm. two. Obviously, one fifty one is where we sit uh, for that game. Both. I believe I saw a stat today, uh, and uh, I'll look up some of these during the break. But I think the total, the over has hit in like seven of the last eight Duke UNC games. Obviously, it hit in the uh, in the regular season finale, ninety four 
to 81. So that being said, high total, a lot of points. Player prop wise, looking at the Dukies, you've got AJ Griffin over under 11 and a half. Mm-hmm. You've got your guy Jeremy Roach, nine and a half. Mark Williams, 13 and a half. Paolo Boncaro, 17 and a half, the highest of any player on Saturday night. And then Wendell Moore Jr. at 12 and a half. Any of these, one way or the other, for the Blue Devils, jump out off the page at you. I mean, Paolo. I would say the one that really jumps off is AJ Griffin over 11 and a half. I mean, I can see a scenario where Duke wins close, wins big. North Carolina wins close, wins big, where AJ has high teens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just that, – that's the one that jumps out. This is most likely to happen. So, I, I, that's the one that, that I looked at immediately, and it was, okay, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. I mean, there are some other ones. I mean – what about your guy, Jeremy Roach? He's been playing really well. Yeah, see, I don't want to. So, Jeremy Roach. I just Roach. want Jeremy Roach not to lose the game. <laughs> so, I don't want to, like, be invested, like, in him having to reach a threshold. In the NCAA tournament, so his over-under, Jeremy Roach's uh, uh, tournament over-under right now is nine and a half. He scored nine against Arkansas, but Texas Tech had 15, Michigan State had 15, and Cal State Fullerton, he had 12. He also had 15 against North Carolina mm-hmm. in that loss at Cameron. He played well. I, I, I expect him to play well. I want him to play well. If he has a game where he scores nine <laughs> points, hits two big open threes, doesn't turn the ball over, I'm fine. Sure. Yeah, so I don't want to be invested in him to have to reach. I get, I get yeah. that. I'm, I'm, so this just, is more about an energy thing. Just for a discussion I'm piece. big on my energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I would take the under on any North Carolina player. All of them? Yeah, just because I'm so – Oh. Yeah, so so so. All right, can we can pro we, Duke in this? Yeah, can we can we can we take the Duke hat off for See, a moment and talk as, with this game? I as can't. A, like I can't separate my emotions as a Vsin host here. Can we cashing a ticket? Um, I'll say this. So if you want me to have one, I'll take Caleb Love under sixteen and a half. So Caleb Love, Armando Baycott, and Brady Manick are all sitting at sixteen and a half. Caleb Love has been. Yeah. tremendous in the NCAA tournament. And I want him to be bad. He so had I'd 14 against St. Peter's, but he had 30 against UCLA. He had five against Baylor, but he had 23 against Marquette. So he's kind of that, you know. Uh, yeah, I need him to have a bad game. Up or down type of player. Armando Baycott, when you look at his numbers, and his points are 16 and a half, 12 and a half rebounds. This is a dude who had, what, 22 against St. Peter's? He was an absolute machine down low. But you've got Mark Williams on the other side to, to hinder that. Rebounds for Armando Baycott as it, the over-under sitting at 12 and a half. 22, 15, 16, 10, 14. Those are his last five games. He's gone over in four of his last five. Well, we'll talk more college hoops. Final four, a man who will be down in New Orleans. Steve Coughlin, Sanford Steve, joins us next. This is the Nightcap on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. The NFL Draft is right here in Vegas. We'll have extensive coverage, including mock drafts from Matt Humans and Michael Lombardi. 
former NFL GM. Mike Pritchard, a host here at VEASAN. He was a first-round pick. And this gentleman who sits next to me won a Super Bowl, was once upon a time a second-round pick. That's Sean King. They will have plenty of insight. Also, the one and only Brent Musburger will give out his draft best bets in our NFL draft betting guide. Sign up today and get full access to VEASAN through the Masters, start of the MLB season, and the NFL draft. Only 19 bucks. VEASAN.com slash spring. Alongside that gentleman I mentioned, Sean King, I am Tim Murray, and let's head to good old Washington, D.C. and bring in a friend of the show. You know him, you love him. He is Steve Coughlin, Stanford Steve on uh, Twitter, at StanfordSteve82. Got two Duke fans and me. This is uh, this is going to be wonderful. Really smart people and one that's still growing. <laughs> I mean, we got, got one guy went to Stanford and uh, – and then Tulane. And why aren't you? You should be in New Orleans this weekend. Well, I have a show to do. The game's on Saturday. No, no the real game's Monday. <laughs> See, we don't raise Final Four banners at Duke. We raise national title banners. So, <laughs> I thought. I, I mean, I'm really excited though, uh, Steve. Uh, the direction Ron Hunter's turning Sean's program around—it's <laughs> really exciting with the, with, the, with the Green Wave. What the Green Wave is doing down there. Uh, and too late. All right, let's. Says a guy that roots for Notre Dame with all of his being, who's only been on campus once. Only been on campus once. All, all right. right, let's get to our guest. All right, yeah, let's uh, let's stop wasting his time. He's got work to do, uh, so let's not waste any more. So let's get to the early game. Let's get to Villanova and Kansas. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a spread of four and a half, and we talked to Johnny Avello from DraftKings earlier this week, and he said. Yeah, people are betting this game like it's uh, it's already been you know s- decided. Everyone's on Kansas here. Uh, a total of one thirty three. Uh, I played the under, Steve. So when you look at this game, I know you've been high on Villanova uh, for for quite some time. How do you see this game playing out, and, and is there a side that you like? Well, I, yeah. I mean, there's a couple things to go here. Is first of all, you know, you got the dome shooting backdrop, right? And you know. Villanova is going to dictate tempo. You know that's going to happen. And when I look at the, you talked about the under, I look at the first half under mm-hmm. because I think Villanova will come out and try and do everything they can to keep Kansas under 30 points and really frustrate them. So I was looking, I know it, it seems low with Kansas involved, but I think I saw like a 62 floating around out there. Uh, but I, I look at that as, as Villanova putting the clamps on Kansas and really just trying to frustrate them. You know they're going to run their their five-out offense and, and find matchups. I don't think fatigue will be a factor. Uh, being at these games, and I mean, I can't wait to get to New Orleans Friday, but being at these games, and you, you guys watch them, I mean, the TV timeouts are so long. These guys are in such good shape. I really don't think it's – I mean, obviously Moore is a, a great talent, but I still think the five with, with Caleb Daniels going home uh, to play in front of his home crowd in New Orleans for Villanova, I think Villanova will have plenty of motivation and 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 and, and energy uh, for for fatigue not to be a factor. So I do lean Villanova. I like the first half under, and I, I think if they win, for sure the game's going under. Well, Steve, enjoy New Orleans. If you need anything down there, don't hesitate to ask. You know, in that city, it's okay. me, then it's Drew Brees, then it's Sean Payton. So <laughs> whatever you need while you're there. Just reach out, and I'll make it happen. I'm actually thinking of in-game betting this game. I, I, something that I'm uh-huh. very interested in, I think if Villanova's transition defense can take away Kansas' fast-break points, which is how they live and die, and force them into the half-court yeah. offense, then Villanova can win outright. 
So what, what do you think about that yep. angle, kind of waiting through the first three, four minutes and, and, and kind of hammering the underdog money line if it looks like they're going to do it today or, you know, maybe jumping on Kansas, even if it's a bigger number. I just don't see this being a, a, a three, four-point Kansas win. I think Villanova's going to win outright or Kansas is going to win by double digits. Yeah, that, and that's what I was going to say. Is you're going to be holding your breath the whole time because look what Kansas did to Miami. I mean, Miami wanted to go and Kansas wanted to go faster. And the thing with Kansas is this, this isn't as talented a team as Bill Self's had, but this pretty darn versatile. I mean, they had plenty of guys that they were running at McGusty um, and, and, and Wong that I think fatigued those guys in the second half, and that's why Kansas made their run. I love Abaji's unselfishness. I mean, you saw him pass up shots in the first half, and then he gets it going in the second half. Uh, so I, I just love Kansas's versatility and the way Villanova is going to want to do things on the perimeter. Kansas has the ability to switch off and not lose a big-time advantage in a matchup, which Villanova loves to do. So that, that's, the, that's the problem with Kansas going against Kansas here is you're just going to have to withstand um, and, and, and stay away from that, that double-digit run, hopefully. Yeah, and, and you look at the two tempos, how they've been playing the tournament. Uh, if you take out the Kansas games, their tempos are on like 72 possessions, which would be like top 10 Ooh. in the country. And then you look at Villanova, and it's 60 possessions, which is essentially Virginia. Mm -hmm. So it is going to be a, a contrast of styles, and I ultimately think Villanova stylistically will make will dictate that enough to lead, to lead towards the under. I'm with you, Steve, on that. I played the first half under as well. Uh, but let's get to the uh, the nightcap, the game everyone is uh, is waiting Call for. It what it is, the main event. <laughs> Duke and North Carolina. Uh, right now you've got Duke laying four with a high total of 151. Uh, what's crazy is if you look at post-Miami, or excuse me, post-Pittsburgh loss back on the 16th of February, uh, Bark Torvik uh -huh. has UNC as the best team in the country. Now, Duke has become the best offense in the country uh, throughout this play in the tournament. So it, it should be an incredibly entertaining game. Side total, anything jump out at you in this third matchup this season between these two Blue Bloods? Uh, I, here's the deal. I, the, the thing that worries me being a Duke fan is the familiarity Carolina has. They've played them twice. They got ambushed in Chapel Hill, and then they put it on Duke, we know, in, in Cameron. And when I say the familiarity is, they've seen Duke's good, and then they've been able to give Duke their good. So I think their, the, the Carolina ceiling is sky high, and Duke's is too. But with the familiarity, I'm talking about now they get a week off to get ready for that zone that Duke has showed in the two biggest spots so far in the tournament. And Carolina – when you look at it, trying to run zone against them, I think Carolina will ambush a zone defense. Uh, you could put Manic in the middle. You could put Baycott in the middle. You could put Love in the middle. And, and they have the ability to just shoot over everything. So I, I don't think Duke's going to be able to go to that zone. And I just love Carolina's scoring ability. And, 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 and I think they have the advantage in, in the backcourt. I know Roach has been great, but Keels has been, you know, not great at all. Uh, he hit the big shot at the end of the first half. But I just think the way Carolina is playing with, with this, you know, uh, willingness on offense where, you know, love goes off. They get him the ball whenever they needed to in UCLA game. Uh, Manic is still a guy that scares me. Every time he shoots, I think it's going in. So I, I think Carolina is, is going to win the game. 
And um, I, I do look at the first half under, though. I, I still think the familiarity will slow both teams down, even though they want to get going. Uh, and you got a little elevated uh, first half number there with, with, the, with the game total being so high. So, so this is interesting, Steve, because I remember a comment that was made by Paolo Banchero after North Carolina lost in the semifinals of the ACC tournament. Yep. And it was almost a letdown for this Duke squad because they wanted to rematch with North Carolina so bad. I think uh-huh. this is the game that they've wanted. I think we think we've seen the best version of this Duke team, but I think we're going to get it on Saturday night. And when you look at the final score in the game at Cameron, North Carolina won by 13, but there is a point with yep. about right under four minutes left. I think it was three minutes, 53 seconds in the first half. Duke was up 37-28 and looking like this is going to be a repeat of the earlier contest at Chapel uh-huh. Hill. And I think they let their guard down. And the guards, Love and Davis and those guys start making shots. And before they knew it, the onslaught had started. I don't see Duke letting their guard down in this game. I think this is the game they wanted. I think this is the platform and the stage that they prayed that it would be on. I like Duke big. Am I crazy? I'm worried. I'm not that confident. Here's the deal. Duke can't be better than what they were in the second half against Texas Tech. They shot 71% against one of the best defenses in the country. Like, they're not going to be better than that. Now, Carolina is not Texas Tech on defense. We know that. And their interest in defense is, is, is not, in, uh, not in, the, in, the, in the positive a lot. Uh, but, I mean, this is the biggest stage there is. And I, I expect a huge effort out of both teams. I just hope the officiating uh, is not a factor. And knowing how impactful the bigs are on each side of this, this game for each team, I hope the first four block charges on each side are all called blocks. That's, that's, <laughs> I'll put that up. All right? Let's let, lay it down there, call the blocks, and then so that way people aren't flopping all game and they'll stop doing it. I just hope um, that the easy way to clean things up. I just hope the NCAA tells the refs to eat the whistle. Let them play. They, just, <laughs> they like calling that charge call so much. Well, Steve, enjoy job, the Steve. trip, man, and uh, we'll be pulling for your pockets when you're down there uh, at the Superdome. All right, boys. I appreciate you having me on. Have a good one. There he is. Stanford Steve. Steve Coglin. It is the nightcap. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. The KFC chicken sandwich is served hot and straight from the fryer. That's why it's finger licking good. Order the KFC chicken sandwich today. It is the Nightcap here on VSIN. End of the first quarter in a pretty entertaining Warriors and Suns first quarter. Warriors have the lead 32 to 29 after the first quarter. Let's see what the first half point spread was. It was Phoenix minus one and a half. So cash that ticket for them and uh, the overhitting in that quarter. Um, By the way, now I'm just fascinated by this uh, who will get the 10th spot as the Spurs are playing the Grizzlies right now. They got a tough schedule. So do the Lakers. Yeah, at least the Spurs are ahead. Yeah, well, they'll be behind today if they lose this game. <laughs> By the way, the both these teams are, what, 14 games under 500? Um, so, who was it today? 
Someone had. Like, they get a little break. The Spurs get a little break because they get Portland back-to-back after oh, this. huge. But then they have Denver, Minnesota, Golden State, Dallas to close it out. Um, Taking a look here. Did Denver end up losing? No, they came back. They won. They won. They were up 50-19 to 19 and, and lost the lead. Yeah, they didn't cover. <laughs> they did not cover. They won 125-118. Where in the world is Jamal Murray? I, a couple weeks ago, they were like he was close to coming back. Tore his ACL, so it's going to. Yeah, maybe he's not looking good. Um, Spurs they, lost by one, 112-111. All right, so it's over. So now the Lakers right now sit in that spot. But tomorrow, the Lakers, without LeBron James, without AD, have to go to Utah, who just blew a 25-point lead, and uh, they're a 12.5-point underdog at DraftKings. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, by the way, I saw this tweeted out today. Uh, if you bet LeBron to win the scoring title, he needs to play three more games because he will be ruled ineligible. He won't play enough games. So if you have a ticket out there, I don't personally have one. I think I heard, uh, I think Stanford Steve's partner in crime, Chris Felica, has, has a ticket on him to win the scoring title. You need him to play uh, a couple more games. Watch how people turn that into LeBron being selfish. Just like LeBron on a losing non-playoff team to lead the league in scoring. Oh, 100%. No, you know it's coming. I just can't wait for the offseason. I, I, I mean, the NBA, the commissioner, the league, they have to be somewhere in a cubbyhole right now, like writing down everything that the NFL has done. Hmm. It's like, we've got to come out with a way to stay relevant like three months after the champion, the title game. I just I, I don't think there's been one 10-day period since the Super Bowl where we haven't had major NFL news. No, absolutely. Yeah. No way. Yeah. It's become, I mean, and the draft has become this. We haven't gotten to the draft. I know. And this the draft has become this enormous event. So, yeah, news is coming out there. Um, there was a tweet today. Let's see if I can pull it up. I think Aaron might have sent it to us about Carolina drafting a quarterback. Carolina's drafting a quarterback. Yeah, I think it was an article. The owner, Mr. Tupper, had made a comment. Well, no, it was a GM that, that made the comment. Fitterer, this will be interesting because the tackles will be the best players on the board. Yep. But we do need a quarterback, and I'm quoting Scott Fitterer, the Carolina Panthers GM. But we do need a quarterback, and at some point you have to take a shot, especially in the top ten. You hate to force it because when you force it, you could make a mistake. Does this not <laughs> word for word coincide with my whole dissertation yesterday? Fitterer knows we don't have a quarterback. We almost have to take Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, but it's probably going to get me a rule fired. Yep. That is exactly what that statement is saying. So he's basically uh, interviewing for his next job. Yeah. Like, listen, well, this ain't going to work. We really don't have a choice. If it doesn't work, I don't want you to think I'm not a good GM. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's saying. This is exactly the whole breakdown I did yes, uh, yesterday. I know. And and then what I said was, you're right, 100%. Panthers are drafting a quarterback. Because yeah. they, they need some juice, and they don't have a second or third round pick. So I, now it's just who who are the Panthers going to pick? By the way, when we get closer to the draft, they always put out these props. and think say it was MGM who does it, and there might be some other properties who do it, position of first player selected by the team. 
And I think Aaron got in last year on uh, Chargers to select a, a, lime, a lineman, mm-hmm. which I want to say was like might have been minus 110 or something like that. But Well, I'll say this. If it's quarterback, I, I don't know what the juice would be, but, man, they're drafting a quarterback first pick. Yeah. <laughs> they're, I would be surprised. Because to your point, though, their board, if they're good at their jobs, will not have when they are the Carolina Panthers are on the clock. Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett will not be number one on that board. Absolutely not. But they are going to be handing in a card that says one of their two names. And listen, over the last two days, I spent about 12 hours breaking down all of the defensive ends in this draft. There are some dudes. There are some dudes. So I'm just. Well, Aaron's got George Karloftis. Yeah, that's his guy. You know, the only thing that bothers about George, and I'll get into it, (laughs) he's shorter than the other guys that are as productive and talented as him. He only measured, I think it was 6'3". I have it written down. He's getting the combine. So he's just slightly shorter, not as long of an athlete, but he overcomes it with effort. But I just said that to say, like, they could really be looking at, like, a Jermaine Johnson or somebody sitting there at 6 that can come in and start right away and have a huge impact and be pigeonholed into selecting somebody that's going to get them fired. Well, there's – I think there's a – Because it sounds like Mr. Tepper has already said, yo – Draft a quarterback. I'm not going into the season. I need. With, I need some tickets with PJ Walker, Sam Darnold as our only quarterbacks. That's not happening. We we're not selling those Sam Darnold jerseys. Right. We need to sell some Willis or Pickett jerseys. You guys decide. I mean, these are the guys that likely will be available when number six rolls around. Kyle Hamilton will be available. Every wide receiver will be available. Uh, Charles Cross, Kayvon Thibodeau could very likely be available at six. Jermaine Johnson could be available at six. They're going to be looking Stingley at Stanley could be available. They're going to be at looking six. at a day one starter. Sauce could be available. Impact at six. player and have to take a quarterback that probably won't be ready to 2024. Hey, life of the NFL. And that's why betting the NFL draft is wonderful. It is. And uh, we will we will get into that a little bit more. Uh, Never forget the Bears took Justin Fields and Micah Parsons went with the next selection. And next. Rashawn Slater, who started every game this year for the Chargers. Went to pick after. Also, never forget that the Bears traded up from three to two to lock to ensure that they got Mitch Trubisky. Right, and that's just a bad eval. To me, that's different than being pigeonholed into taking a quarterback because, like, that was a terrible eval by the Bears because you had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes in that same draft. So they chose Mitchell Trubisky over those two players. So to me, that's different than being pigeonholed into all the quarterbacks are available. And we have to take one, even though that we know none of them are worthy of this pick, are going to help us keep our jobs. I think this is a different dynamic. Like the Bears just got it wrong. So, by the way, I want to correct something, and this is why I love our uh, our listeners. I was uh, – Viewers. Oh, we got listeners or viewers, yeah, whatever, whatever you may yeah, be. Yeah, people, for this is a TV show. Like, this face deserves to be on So, TV. I mentioned going to break – uh, about LeBron mm-hmm. and leading the league in scoring. scoring. Yep. And I said he has to play 58 games. But as both Phil and Ian on Twitter let me know, he actually does not have to play those games if you portion it out and take zeros and still lead, then the award would be yours. So there is a screenshot. Someone sent this to me and said, if player A played 56 games and scored X amount of points – they could still qualify to lead the lead if his average with that same point total over 58 games. So there's an example of Gerald Wallace led the 
league in steals in 155 games, and then if you took zeros for their last three games and still let it, the uh, the crown would be there. Here's so LeBron's there problem. The three guys directly behind him, Joel Embiid, Giannis, and Durant, are all in the middle of playoff chases for seeding, not for making the playoffs. So you're going to get their best effort. And LeBron's ahead at 30.1, but Giannis and Joel are averaging 20, 29.9, and Durant's averaging 29.7. But how? But but the, so if they get a couple 40-point games in this thing, and then shoot their average in the rest, you know he could lose by default if he's not continuing to right. You know, put up points. Yeah, I would have to do the math. Yeah, I'm sure it's some kind but of analytical I, uh, breakdown. I don't care about. I really don't care who <laughs> don't, leads the league in uh, scoring. I don't either. I don't have yeah. a ticket on it. People do have tickets on it, though. So I appreciate the clarification that he would still be eligible if, in fact, he took had to take zeros. But I think he finds a way back on the floor for a couple more games. I think. I think it was. Uh, I think it was Windhorse was on our network and said. Even though LeBron won't say it, I think this means the interesting a lot thing to for him. him would be: Does it benefit him more to not play and have zero, or to come back and not be healthy and average sixteen? Oh, LeBron's on average at sixteen. <laughs> you think he's averaging sixteen down the stretch <laughs> with that team? All right, we'll talk to our good friend Brad Evans. Top of the hour is he gonna be busting out a sledgehammer? Find out. Check out the. Check out the...